Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Good morning, plant family. Round two. Hopefully you're all doing well today. Amen. Amen. Happy fourth. Happy break. Long weekend. Oh, thanks. You're all like, dude, I've already had 19 hamburgers and 15 hot dogs and, and I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Right? Uh, again, it's a, it's a privilege, a pleasure to be here uh, with you all. Uh, you know, thanks to Pastor Rob and leadership team for the invitation to uh, be able to be here. If you're able, why don't we stand together for the reading of God's word? If you're gonna, uh, if you want to look this up in your Bible, phone, or otherwise, it is Romans chapter six. We're gonna pick this up in verse twelve. Romans chapter six, picking this up in verse twelve. It says this. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. Repeat after me. Say, but now. now. Oh, much better. You guys had your coffee, a little more awake. First service was like, but no. Good job. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you, Lord, for this new day, this new breath that you have given to us. And Lord, I repent that I take those morning breaths for for granted, Lord. 
I don't thank you or praise you enough, God, that you've given me another day. So God, thank you for giving us a new day. Lord, in these few moments that we have together, draw our hearts, our minds, our attention to you again. Stir our affections anew for Jesus. And God, I pray that we would leave here different than when we first walked in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. 27 years. It was 27 years of incarceration for Nelson Mandela. From prison, Nelson Mandela became a symbol against apartheid. When he was released in 1990, he became a pivotal figure, a key figure in the ending of apartheid, in the abolishment of apartheid, and helping to move South Africa toward becoming a democracy. Between the years of 1994 and 1999, Mandela served as the first black president of South Africa. 27 years of incarceration. 27 years of exile. Banishment. You know what exile is? Exile is being moved out of your country, pushed out of your country. In this case, he was within his country. But generally, it's being moved out of your country due to political reasons. It's punishment. The reason you would be moved out into exile, the reason you would be banished, is so that you would lose your influence. You would lose your authority. You would lose your voice as a key leader of that country or nation. Now, why do I bring this up? Why do I bring up a term that seems so foreign to us? I would dare say that there's probably not a lot of us here that have been through exile. Perhaps no one in this room has ever been through exile or banishment. Of course, we live in a day and age where there's a lot of people on the move. There's a lot of refugees, a lot of asylum seekers. But by and large, it's probably not a lot of us in this room. But can I submit to you that you actually, and I actually, have been through exile. Can I convince you of that today? We'll see. You can grade me on that later. You and I have been through exile. You and I have been through spiritual exile. You and I have been separated from God, banished from the presence of God due to our Sin. Sin has been a master in your life. Sin has grabbed a hold of your life. Sin has been in control at one point in your life or another. You know what it's like for sin to run amok. You know the hopelessness, the powerlessness, the potential even destruction it has caused you and the people around you. And the sin in your life makes you wonder, can anything actually change? I remember being a teenager, a long time ago. I remember being a teenager. I was violent. I was an angry teenager. Mid-20s, early 20s, mid-20s roll around, and I'm having a conversation with my younger sisters, and they go, you know, we were afraid for you, not of you, but for you. We wondered if rage and anger would just rule your life. 
If, if that generational curse, that generational sin of anger and rage was going to live full well in and through your entire days, we were scared of that. But God, how many of you today can say, but God? See, for you, it may not be rage, may not be anger. For you, it could be pride, arrogance. For you, it could be lying. Maybe it's sexual temptation, pornography, lust. Maybe you just can't help yourself in being afraid of the people around you, pleasing the people around you, appeasing the people around you. Maybe your life, you've actually never taken a faith-filled risk because fear cripples you and paralyzes you. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. But what is that sin that when you feed it, it just seems to take control of everything about your life? We're left with the question, can this actually change? See, here today, I'm not talking about salvation, okay? I'm not talking about those of you in the room who have said yes to Jesus, right? We're talking about something completely different. You've said yes to Jesus. You, you, you come here on Sundays, you tithe, you participate with your, you know, your life group, but there's still those areas in your life that make you wonder are things actually going to change for me? But friends, I didn't come to give you bad news, right? Come on, Omar, it's 4th of July weekend, man. I got a long weekend ahead. Give me some good news. All right, cool, we'll give you some good news. But God, amen? amen. It is only through the power of Christ that we can change that things have already changed. Transformation, spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, all of these things about our lives can, will, and dare I say, have already changed because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Amen. How can we be assured? That's the question. But how can we be sure? Omar, how can we be sure that things can change, that everything has changed? Everything has changed, friends. Because through Jesus Christ, God has declared an end to spiritual exile. I, I'm going to say that again, okay? And, and it's it going to take me a little time to unravel this. Hopefully, you're going to stay with me. But you can fall asleep after this if you want to. If you remember nothing else, remember this. Spiritual exile is over. Spiritual exile, your banishment, your exile, your separation from God through Jesus Christ has been declared broken and over. What does this mean? It means that through what Jesus Christ has done, he is bringing us home. He's bringing us home. When Nelson Mandela was released everyone in the nation, there was hope that was beginning to brim. 
You see, when you return from exile, hope begins to flood you. You you begin to think and dream about what could be. There's a hope that begins to stir within you that things might actually change. And friends, we are here today to say that everything has changed. This is what Paul is addressing here in Romans chapter 6. Now, Paul is talking to the church in Rome. Remember when Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? You guys remember this? Give me some head nods. You following me? Yep. When the disciples heard to the ends of the earth, what came into mind was Rome. What, Jesus, does the gospel have to do with the most pagan epicenter of our day? What does the gospel have to do with these people who are evil, with these people who practice idolatry, with these people that have no known history of even the God of Israel? What do they have to do with the good news of Jesus Christ? And so Paul is addressing this church These people that have started to say yes to Jesus and have looked around in their circumstance and their culture, and they say, my life has changed, but but I'm not sure that all of this can change. I'm not sure that I can get away from all of these things that used to call to me, that used to beckon to me in my life. And friends, I, I will tell you this, that if you look around at our world today and wonder if things can actually change and doubt that things will change, your God is too small. It's too small. If your hope is gonna come because some of some political figure, your God is too small. Jesus came to declare an end to our spiritual exile and to bring hope and life to us no longer this is what paul is saying to these believers no longer do you have to be submitted to death in your life you now have the opportunity to give your life to life so how do we do it how do we begin to give our lives to life great question i'm so happy you asked number one recognize that new life is always before you Verse 13 says this, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Paul is is addressing to these Romans, don't sin anymore. You, You don't have to give yourself to sin anymore. You no longer have to bow to those old ways of life. But, but here's his charge. His charge isn't try harder, do better, read more, pray more. That's not where he is. He is reminding these believers that the reason everything has changed is because there is now new life before you. Formerly, In your old way of life, everything you were depositing in your life, all of the sin that you were depositing in your life, all that was building before you, your roadway, your your roadmap ahead was leading you towards death. But because of Jesus, everything that you now deposit 
is leading you on this path and road toward life. The Emancipation was declared in 1863. You know it. Emancipation Proclamation declared that every slave in the United States of America was now free. Two years later, the 13th Amendment was ratified. The 13th Amendment declares that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude would exist or be allowed in the U.S. anymore. Anybody hearing these statements, these declarations, these proclamations would have thought to themselves, wait a minute, are you telling me that everything has changed? Are you telling me that there is this new life that I can choose into? Are you telling me that the obstacles that were before me have been cleared out of the way so that there's new life that I can engage? Yes, that's what this means. And so you had people like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, others like them who engaged this new life, took on every opportunity that was before them. They went to school. They started new businesses. They, they, they started new communities where they were feel uh, safe. Every opportunity they leaned into. But it wasn't like this for all those who found freedom. You see, some slaves kept running into obstacle after obstacle after obstacle without help to their left or to the right. And they were like, it feels like this new life is a lot like my old life. It feels like some of this actually isn't any better. And so for many slaves, they made the decision to go back to their old ways, their old patterns. The, the obstacles were just too great to overcome. And so they allowed themselves to be put back into these situations where they were being exploited. The opportunities that they were given were less than optimal. And we can sit around today still and, and judge people for where they're at. It's like, come on, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Do it. Get it done. Get her done, right? Like, move ahead. But if we look at our own lives, you know how incredibly difficult that actually is. That sin that we've been talking about, that question on the front end, what is that thing that you keep bowing down to? What is that old life that you keep running back to that keeps you from the new life that we have in Jesus Christ? What Paul is telling us today is that eternity is before us. New life is before you. Hope, freedom, acceptance, beauty. It's all before you. Don't go back to that old way. Don't go back to those old patterns. Release them. Yes, friends, recognize that new life is always before you. Number two, recognize that you have a new master. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's 
grace. Sin is no longer your master. What Paul is telling these Roman believers is that you have been delivered. You have been rescued. You see, that term master brings with it in the Greek the idea of dominion, power, rule. And so what Paul is saying is sin is no longer your master. Yes, sin used to rule your life. No matter what you used to do, no matter how hard you tried, you could never escape from under the umbrella of sin. It ruled you. It had dominion over you. You were handcuffed. You were held captive to that old master. But you have a new master now. And this master is good. And he's kind. And he's gentle. And he's loving. And he has broken off the chains that you and I have lived under. I think about our international workers who are serving down in Spain. They serve down the, in the southern coast of Spain in Malaga. They're teamed up with other Spaniard leaders. They're teamed up with other organizations, and they're fighting against human trafficking. Human trafficking in all sorts, whether it's exploitation sexually, whether it's exploitation of workers. Did you know that in, in, in this part of Spain, you have migrant workers coming in from Africa and other parts of the world where they are working in greenhouses where it gets to 120, 130, 140 degrees. Long hours, long hours. And then they're freezing when they walk out of the greenhouse and it's 90 degrees outside. Freezing, exploitation. And so these workers come together, these organizations, they come together, they rescue these people, they deliver these people from these situations, right? They promise them, we're gonna help you get on your feet. You could work, you could do something that brings dignity to you. You don't have to go back to that. You don't have to go back to those old masters that have held you captive that make you think there's no other way forward. We'll help teach you the language. We'll give you business skills. We'll help you learn a trade. We'll help you get into housing. We'll put a new network and a new relationship of people before you. Oh, by the way, there is this man named Jesus. And he's actually good. He's the one that's actually saving you from this situation, rescuing you from this situation. Friends, sometimes we live today as if sin was still our old master or still our current master. In our lives, we run back to that fountain that biblically speaking, it is dead and dry. The only reason it comes back to life is because we give it life. See, sin is waiting for us. The enemy is waiting for us to feed that sin so that it can begin to have a control and a hold over us. This is what Paul is saying. You only become a slave to the things that you obey. If you don't obey to sin, if you don't obey sin, guess what? You don't become a slave to sin. That's how that works. But sometimes we live as if sin still had power and domain and dominion, but it doesn't because Jesus Christ has all authority and all power. And you know what he did with his authority and power? He set you and me free. Not to do whatever it is we want to do. See, that's like the, the opposite extreme. And we love that. Like in America, we just love that, right? 
It's good. Freedom is good. We're celebrating freedom on Tuesday. But it's not a freedom to do whatever it is that we want to do. No, it's a freedom to live under the grace of God. You see, what happens to us is that when we give ourselves over to sin, we are not in a posture of receiving from our new master. You can't see what Jesus is up to. You can't see how he wants to bless you. What what Paul's pointing to here is you have a new master who it brings him joy, this this whole aspect of of freedom of God's grace. It brings him joy. It brings him pleasure to fill you with good things, to give you abundance. But guess what? If I'm living in my sin, if I'm running back to the captivity of my sin, I am not in a posture to be able to receive from God's grace. And then we turn and blame God. God, what's wrong with you? Don't you see I'm drowning here? You should stop feeding this thing and turn to me because I have grace for you, forgiveness for you, freedom for you. The question is, are you ready to receive? Yes, recognize that new life is always before you. Recognize that you have a new master. And finally, apply what you already know to do. Verse 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Sinning was not foreign to these Roman believers. They knew it full well. Verse 21, Paul says, you know the things you used to do. They still come front of mind. You know how ashamed you are, you were, of all the things you used to practice, right? These are pagan people who have been rescued by Jesus. So their muscle memory when it came to sin was excellent, excellent. But Paul is saying, I'm not, ta- I'm not calling you to lose your passion and your fervor. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to redirect it. In the same way in which you would pursue sin and almost try to out-sin one another, in that same way, that same fervor, that same passion, pursue Jesus Christ. I remember when Pastor Rob and I, this is years ago, Carrie and I had just gotten married. So we had a lunch meeting together. He drops me off at, at my apartment And he says, hey, before you go, I just want to talk to you about something. I said, okay, what's up? He says, look, it's been really beautiful. The way you've loved your wife, the way in which you've pursued Carrie all of these years, you know, uh, it's great. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Jesus wants you to pursue him in that same way. Dare I say, Jesus wants you to pursue him even more than how you pursued Carrie. See, Pastor Rob wasn't condemning this. He wasn't saying, hey, you should love your wife less. That doesn't sound right. Hopefully, none of you heard to love your spouse less, right? He wasn't saying, stop loving your wife. No, he was saying, hey, that that passion, that fervor, that perseverance, what would it look like in your life if you pursued Jesus in that same way? So it was a challenge for me, a challenge that still rings true today because I'm crazy. I, I was crazy about my wife, still crazy about my wife today. Tomorrow's going to be more of the same. 
even when she yells at me for throwing the socks on the floor in our room. But that's besides the point. Besides the point. Sometimes we believe that following Jesus is otherworldly. You might think that. There's no, frame, there's no framework for this. I don't have a point of reference for this. Sometimes some of us in here, well, the people that really walk with Jesus, those are the ministers and the pastors and the missionaries, right? The paid professionals. Those are the people that really know how to follow Jesus. I'm just, I'm doing the best that I can with what I got. But you know what it's like to pursue something or someone with everything that's in you. You know what it's like to throw yourself at something. It may be another person. It may be your spouse or your future spouse. Maybe it's your kids. You're all about your kids all day, all night. You, you, you'll shuttle them here, there, and everywhere. You'll protect them. You'll bless them. You'll cover, right, like all those things. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your job. I'm going to be the best. This company's gonna be the best. I'm gonna be number one. And so you throw yourself at that. Maybe it's your sports team. You know every staff from 1963. You're 30 years old, but apparently 1963 is ingrained in your mind. You knew every batter, their, their, their average. Who won the World Series that, that year? I have no idea. Maybe some of you in the room are like, that's actually not me. Like, I'm really okay being average. Like, I'm awesome at, like, a little work, you know, push myself a little bit. Yeah, get that email in on time, no problem. Go home, get a little Wendy's, watch a little show, binge watch another show. Yeah, I, my, only, my only goal in life is just, you know, Cruising, that's, that's me. I don't know what it is for you, but you know what it is for you. You know what that one thing or person is that you are pursuing passionately with everything that's in you. And what Paul is charging us here with is run after Jesus. Pursue Jesus. That same passion, that same fervor, that same energy Pursue him. Why? Because on the night he was betrayed, when all of his disciples vanished out of sight, when he came and was captured and was flogged and was punched in the face and was mocked, when they hung him high and stretched him wide, when he took on the sin of humanity, your sin, my sin, and he no longer felt the presence of the Father. You remember that, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was exiled for us. Do you see that? They put him on the cross outside the city. They used his life as an example for everyone else to stand in line. Jesus allowed himself to be exiled for you and for me. 
But that wasn't the only exile he went through. You see, 33 and a half years before that, the God of the universe stepped down from heaven. He willingly allowed himself to be exiled. He left the comforts of heaven. He left, he stepped down from the community of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He took on flesh. He took on blood. He took on human frailty to bring you home. And now, spiritual exile is over, friends. It is over. There is hope. There is freedom. On the horizon is something new. Should you choose to lean in? Should you choose to buy in to King Jesus? Are you tired of living the same old, same old? What we're talking about this morning is sanctification. Fancy term, theological term. We're talking about sanctification. We're talking about the people of God being the people of God. We're talking finally putting that sin to death. Finally putting this thing, leaving it dead and buried coming up and under away from the dominion and the power that it's had and it's exercised in your life and stepping into new life, new freedom, a new master that only Jesus could provide. Why? For those parties, for ringing that bell, for the people in the city, for the people of Montana, for the people of Central Asia, for the people around the world. See, friends, the end of your spiritual exile does not end with you. The hope does not start and end with you. No, we get to partner. We get to participate with God in bringing our other brothers and sisters home. So if there's somebody that's been nagging you to show up here on a Sunday morning, Know that all that person wants to do is help bring you home, to get you out of that old life. Come on, guys. To get you out of that old life, to bring you out from under that old master, to show you that, yes, everything has changed. Your chains are broken. And you now get to be a participant to bring everybody else home. Because there's still people out there, and they don't realize it. there a new life that could be theirs and God is asking you and me to participate in that so do you believe it do you believe that your spiritual exile is over do you believe and not if things can change but that they have changed friends recognize and realize that new life is before you recognize and realize that you have a new master and you already know what to do. So let's get to work, church. Amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, you could have left 
this world alone and dead and buried. You didn't do that. You came, you submitted yourself, Lord, to the Father. You put your, hand, your life in his hands. Even when it came to the cross, Lord, you stayed on that cross for us to bring us home to let us run amok in celebration and joy in this newfound freedom that we have because of you. Lord, but there's still some brothers and sisters here that, Lord, we've given ourselves, Lord, to that old life. And we're wondering, oh, I don't know if things can change, Lord. Yes, you are saying yes, yes, it can change. It will change, it has changed. Come follow me. So if that's you today, if that's you, it doesn't matter who's sitting to your left or to your right. It's not about them. But I'm, I'm going to ask that you stand. If that's you today, just, just I want to bless you. I, I want to I pray for you. This is just a declaration. That's all this is. You're, you're standing in declaration saying, yeah, I know what it's like to be handcuffed. I know what it's like to live in those chains. I'm done with that. I want that new life in Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.